Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent Marketing Podcast, where we talk to industry experts about the ups and downs of marketing. Our host is Mike Williams, Director at Jetstream. All right, welcome to another episode of the Turbulent Marketing Podcast. I'm super psyched to be here today with Chris Reed. He's the founder of Stretch Creative uh, and a close friend of mine as well. Really great guy. Uh, really excited to have you here, Chris. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Mike, it's, uh, it's good to join, man. This is uh, the first time being on the other side of, uh, of a podcast, so I appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity. Awesome. I'm, I'm uh, excited to, uh, to be a part of that. So uh, why, don't we, why don't we jump into a little bit about what Stretch Creative is and, and what you're doing with Stretch and uh, kind of how things are going and what's happening. Yeah, man, appreciate that. So Stretch Creative, we're really just a, a creative studio that uh, works with brands and, and different folks to tell their story. And uh, I think a big belief kind of going into marketing and even sales or anything we do, it's, it's what is our story, even as our own personal brand. It's, it's how story is how we connect to, to others through uh, hardship, through great stories. I mean, that's why we love, you know, that's why I love Rudy, you know, the movie. It makes me cry every time because it's a great story yeah. and I connect to it. So really what we do at Stretch is, um, you know, help mostly with work with brands to develop what that story is and tell that story through uh, words, videos, um, editorial, uh, photography, and really can make that story kind of pop out. And, you know, I kind of came to this in the fact um, really – just came to me out of somebody reaching out. I've been in the industry now in content creation for, God, it's been, when did I get out of the military? I got out in 2013, so it's been about 2015. So it's been about half a decade in, in content. Um, I kind of came into content really, so I'll give it, it's a long story, but I'll give you the short story is I, I worked for a company that had a number of houses in it, uh, brands, and I worked for a startup and it was, a, it was a payment startup and it sucked. I was, I was in sales. It sucked a lot. And there was an opening at uh, this company called Constant Content there. And I was like, I just want to do that. That looks fun. Like that looks like a lot more fun than what I'm doing. So I got into content that way and then really having to learn what content truly means versus just what people I think think it means. Anyway, so the five years. So. Over these, the course of this time, you know, one of the things that when I worked at that company is I had a chance to really work with writers to help them find work and help brands tell their story. And I kind of like learned how to basically learning and diving into the deep end of like just figuring out as you go. I learned how to create content at scale and really how to create a production line of content creators. Um, with brands and I left that company and then I ended up working for another company called Stocksy, which is a local company here in Victoria. And if no one is aware of Stocksy, I mean, go check them out because what they do really was kind of that really good story. We kind of go into sort of the same story, but Stocksy had this story that really attracted me is that they took care of their creatives first and foremost. And I thought that was super unique because most times brands go or companies go, how do we take care of our clients first, right? And it was this kind of unique spin of what if we put the creatives first, what happens? And what happened is they put themselves in a different category because they had such higher quality work because creatives came first, they got paid fairly, they got treated fairly. And guess what? The clients got some really great stuff. So I really kind of fell in love with that. Um, so anyways, I started Stretch because the kind of long stories, uh, an old client reached out to me and said, hey, Chris, can you help me create some of this stuff? Uh, it was, it was some ebooks and some editorial work, and uh, it turns out it was a, it was a pretty large brand that uh, just scaled. Ended up doing a global campaign for them across uh, all of their markets. And one thing I wanted to really embody of Stretch is kind of what I learned at Stocksy is uh, what if we put creatives first? Like, what if it was all about them? Which mm -hmm. kind of seems ass backwards if you think you're in a business to make money and you got to work with clients. But what if we put the creatives first? and made it all about them, what would happen? And this is how Stretch was born. It, it really is a, a studio that believes in creatives need to be treated fairly, they need to be paid fairly, 
And they also need to be in the process of how we create content and not hidden behind platforms or hidden behind user profiles. Mm -hmm. It's about how do we bring them into the whole production line and align with what our clients and, and the end goal of telling their story is. And if we come together as a, a collaborative team and unit as a partner, what we've been able to really do is help uh, tell stories at scale and really well. So that, that's kind of a, a long story about stretch, but that's how it kind of came to fruition. And um, it's been a lot of fun, man. I got a big goal next year for, uh, for what I want to achieve. And I want, uh, you know, the goal is to help uh, our creatives make a million dollars collectively. That's the goal to help them uh, earn a million dollars next year. And it's, uh, it's a big goal. It's a challenging goal, but you know, we have a team that's pretty bought into the process right now about, uh, trying yeah. to create that happen. So well, I'm starting to see where the name stretch came from. Cause you're always stretching yourself right Dude, to, the, to the next goal. Yeah. And that's it. And that's, that's where it did come from. I wanted to think of like, what's a name or what's something that can embody what we believe in. And I think in order, you know, I'm like, we've been friends for a while and you're, that's why like you, you're very much the same. It's, but if we don't continue to stretch ourselves and, push ourselves in, you know, that uncomfort spot, that discomfort or trying to go to that next level, you know, we're always in a stay status quo. And what we're really trying to do is how can we push ourselves and the creatives we have in our team, I often say to them, like, if something feels a little bit risque, or maybe a little bit outside of what the client may like, like do it because we can pull back. Right. But if we, we play vanilla and we play like, just play it safe, we don't want to like ruffle their feathers. Uh, the creatives are then held back to like, working inside a box that they really, they thrive kind of pushing the boundaries as well. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the name stretches behind that. So, yeah. So, and you've talked a fair bit about storytelling and, and, you know, things some people really understand the importance, but where does that come from for you and why is that such an important piece uh, of content for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think storytelling is something that, I kind of fell in love with, you know, prior to even doing any of this stuff, like just being in content, like I connect, you know, I've had, a, I've had a lot of changes through my life and I've been, you know, like many people we've had ups and we've had downs and I've certainly had some really down moments in my life. And the only way that I ever got through them was like connected to a story, hmm. you know, and that's where change happened. You know, I either listened to an audio book or I read a book or I watched something that gave me some either be inspiration or motivation or information to make a change. So when we think about coming into like a marketing or a sales perspective, how do we get somebody to make change if we don't connect to them through story? Mm. It's like, if you go to a restaurant and I say, I take my wife to uh, that new Thai restaurant on the weekend. And, you know, I want to tell Mike about it because him and his wife would love it. I wouldn't say, Hey Mike, there's this new restaurant. It serves Thai food and it has sauce and meat. And if you'd be like, <laughs> whatever, dude, right. But if you're like, Mike, you got to take your wife there. Cause like they had the ambiance there. It was great. They were COVID safe. Like you tell the story about the experience and you go like, wow, yeah, like that sounds good. So when we think about like marketing your sales, it's the story has to be there. Otherwise we're just regurgitating information. And like, I'm sorry, in a world of just busy online, and you know this just as much if I do, if not more, but the online world is pretty busy right now. And mm -hmm. if we're going to keep people enough, giving them enough story just to even like listen or watch something for at least half a minute, like we need to connect pretty early. And I think how we connect early is through hitting them with a story or, and that's how we create that connection. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, you've been in, in content marketing since about 2013? Uh, no, 2015. I released okay. out of the military in 2013. Um, and then I came over in about, like maybe it was late 2014. Okay. I mean, the last few years have bleeded together, but. So in, in the content marketing world during that time, what, what changes have you seen and, and where are we going with content? Yeah, oof. yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, six years in content, uh, especially online feels like, a lot's changed. Um, you know, I first got into content, it was really so SEO focused. Mm. And like, if people aren't listening, people listening or maybe aren't super friendly with SEO, it's, you know, search engine optimization. And it was about like, ultimately, like, how do we create content for the search engines? 
basically to pull our content up to be found. And I think the problem was, is, and as their algorithm at Google and whatnot's evolved, it's not about just putting the right keywords into content. And that's where it used to be. And I think content was a, it was kind of an afterthought because it was just basically used as a tool, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The content's your tool to get into the Google. <laughs> I think now content's no longer a tool. Content's like one of the top things you need to be focusing on. It's one of the number one priorities any brands that are really killing it right now are focusing on. It's not an afterthought where you're like, mm -hmm. well, well, I'll farm it out just to any mill or just to any cheap agency because they'll do it and it's cheap and we'll do it as cheap as possible. Mm. I think where the content world is now shifting is like, how do we invest in content? Because content pays you back a return. It's like any investment. So with the Google switching and, and not the keyword focus stuff, it is coming down to like quality. And I think that's how Google's algorithm is starting to evolve is like, it's about how do you give something to your readers, your listeners, your watchers, your whoever they are that consuming that. Are they taking something away that's either one, solving a problem for them, it's getting them an answer, or it's like getting them to connect further with something. Mm -hmm. And that's where content is really coming down to. And that's why, you know, you have to come across as an authority too. I think that's also another piece. It's like, Content is what basically tells your consumers or potential consumers who you are. Mm -hmm. And if it's not done in a, a way that's thoughtful, uh, that a way that, you know, speaks to just your people, because that's the other piece too, is I think we used to create content for the mass. It was kind of like that spray and pray of like, whoever connects with it is great. Mm -hmm. But now I think you have to be willing to create content and, not have people consume with it because we're trying to connect to our tribe and that's who we need to speak to. We need to find our tribe and create content to them. That's going to help them. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So if you can find your tribe and you can express your, to use the acronym EAT expertise, authority and create trust, then you can build a brand. And then when you do tell a story, it's going to really resonate it's not just going to resonate with the content. I mean, I think the bigger picture is to resonate with the content, to resonate with the brand so that when you are ready to purchase, uh, you purchase with that brand. Totally. Yeah. And it's, there's, like, I've done a lot of studying over the last few years. Um, and there's some brands that are really killing it right now. Mm. And so, especially in the e-commerce world, there's these brands called digitally native vertical brands, right? So they're the brands that basically were born on the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not the brands that are like typical wholesale resale channels. These are brands that like only sell online. And if you see these brands, um, there's a brand called Shinesty. They're based out of Denver and it's, um, their content's hilarious. Like I their product- their product descriptions it. are like this funny story where like my wife and I will lay in bed at nighttime and just read them and laugh her ass off. <laughs> but you go like, I've actually impulse buy uh, what's called the Daytona dong sarong. And it's a <laughs> speedo that looks like jean shorts. Oh it cost yeah. me like 70 yeah. bucks. Like they're not cheap, Yeah, but it's, they also, like, so they've created this thing of like, how do we connect to people? And it's through content. Yeah. And there's like, it doesn't have to be this like myth, you know, whimsical story, but it's about like, even when you go to read a product online now, like if you're a, a sports guy or uh, you're a makeup person, like if you read that, you want to make sure that like, if you go to like a specialty store, so we step aside, oh, pause, we step aside and we go to a specialty store, like a front, uh, a running specialty store or a makeup store, your expectations when you go into that store is you're talking to a salesperson who knows what the hell they're talking about, mm -hmm. that you can get what you need and trust that they understand your, your needs. The same feeling has to be coming across when you hit somebody's webpage. If it right. comes across like it does, if they don't seem like they're an authority, they don't actually like are experts. You just like, you bleed into the mix. You're just another kind of company that's trying to sell a product, but mm -hmm. you want people to be, you want people to buy your story because your story is what dictates your products. Absolutely. Right? So if like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm getting into like ultra running and like I got connected to the brand Hoka 
And it's yeah. not because like their shoes are great, but like they are running experts. I go to their site. I talk to anyone. I'm like, I know what the hell they know what the hell they're talking about yeah. versus like, Oh, I can go to Skechers. I can buy a pair of Skechers shoes. There's nothing wrong with Skechers, but are they like, if I go to like, I know they have my best interests about like my feet and how they should be structured and like all this stuff. No, because they're generalists. Yeah. And I wonder like, like Skechers, you know, is a, is a well-known brand. They're probably speaking to a different persona or a different avatar. Whereas Hoka is really speaking to you and showing their expertise in the area. Like you're buying those shoes for a certain uh, reason. So I have a pair of Hoka's as well. And, and they yeah. came as a referral from a friend. Um, you know, they're probably not as worn out as yours are. Cause I know you run for days, but um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of, of Hoka shoes as well because of the product. I haven't actually connected with the brand. Yeah. But I would happily endorse that. And I do the same for stance socks or bubbly water, mm -hmm. right? Like they're, you know, I connect with the brand and I connect with some of the advertising and the story and the, the culture of stance, like working at stance. I connect with that. And yeah. it, it just brings me in more into that tribe. Bubbly, I really like the Michael Buble ads. I think it's funny. I think they're, they're fun. It's just water with bubbles, right? Right. But, but you know, I, 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 when people ask, like, what do I drink? I drink bubblies, even if it's not a bubbly brand. Yeah. Right? So it's really interesting how we can connect with these brands and they become part of our lives. And I certainly think about the tribes. And I think that, you know, when people are advertising, they need to think about the personas and the avatars that they're speaking to and make sure that the content, not just of their blog, but the content of the whole site, like you talked about that Shy Nasty site, you know, you got to connect with the whole presence of the company and content is how you do that. It's copywriting, it's writing, it's, uh, you know, such a great and valuable way to connect. And I, I, I see a lot of brands doing a great job. There's probably more that are doing a poor job of it. Yeah, agreed. And it's even when like we talk copywriting, I think there's also like, so again, going back to story is what happens when we do a, tell a story, it evokes an emotion, mm -hmm. right? And I think what some brands are used to is that one, like I mentioned earlier, SEO is like, it used to be about keywords. So there wasn't really an emotion that was evoked because it was just, again, a, a vehicle for content to try to draw right. traffic. Yeah. But now when you go to a brand, it was so many different channels now. Like we think about, we have like TikTok, we have Pinterest, we have Insta, we have Facebook, LinkedIn, like it just goes on. And a lot of these brands are trying to leverage, a, you know, a number of these distribution channels for their content. And where I think the gap is and the, the struggle is how do we still evoke that same emotion to our tribe across those channels, regardless if the, the story can be the same, but the, the way you tell that or deliver that story is going to be different. And to keep that consistency is a challenge because I think a lot of these brands and companies are so siloed in the way that they operate where social is a different team than SEO and, you know, direct marketing may be different than, you know, so-and-so. So as long as if there's no alignment, then that story you're telling is different. So if you saw like an ad on Facebook and then you get to their uh, website or their product page or whatever it may be, and that story seems off, like all of a sudden you've kind of like subconsciously broken a bit of that trust because you felt like what you saw was what you're going to get. And then it wasn't, and then you end up leaving. So right. it's, it can't be an afterthought. It has to be a cohesive and, co you know, across the board of where yeah, are you a, telling that story? It's a, it's a consistent narrative across all the platforms you just mentioned. Right. hundred um, percent. So switching gears, uh, I actually just noticed what the, the poster is behind you there. And I, and I love that quote from, from Mike. Iron Mike. Yeah. So, um, so the, the quote is, uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's, it's just so true. I think it's so awesome. And I think that, you know, every business should have a strategy, uh, but sometimes you get punched in the face, either in a good way or a bad way. Uh, but just want to, just want to back up. Uh, you know, I, you know, as I've gotten to know you, you know, this, this work ethic comes out, you know, you're just a, a beast at, at work, at play, at fatherhood, at, uh, you know, trading, all these things, right? You just, you go full out. And I'm, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about where that comes from. My assumption is it's from the military and some of the learning in there, but maybe you can talk about where that work ethic comes from and, and how the military has influenced uh, your career to this point. Yeah. You know, 
appreciate you saying that it's, there certainly has, uh, it wasn't always this hard work ethic. Hmm. You know, it was actually, I was a pretty lazy dude for a long time. Um, and I think that was, you know, I was a pretty young guy. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, like I've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations and they, you know, my big learnings came from like really messing up. And then there was, um, you know, there was addiction in my past that certainly made life hard, mm. uh, due to my own decisions. And so when I took the actual, like the biggest, scariest step in my life to actually do something about a problem, which I think, you know, before I used to hide problems and not deal with them. And that became lazy because I didn't want to have to do anything to create a new problem. So I did nothing. Um, and that's, you can almost look at it as like a metaphor into like marketing too, but like if you don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. But anyways, like yep. for me, I finally got my stuff to get my shit together and I decided like moving forward, I have a second chance at what I want to do and I'm going to give everything I got into what I choose to do. And I think as human beings, we're, we're so capable for so much, um, you know, my military taught me that the military time really taught me that you can't do anything alone. Right. And that's the, what the military is great for is teaching you about everyone has a role and everyone needs a role. And if you don't, if you can't trust somebody to do what they're going to do, or you can't rely on them, that's a big problem. And if you mm -hmm. fail them, you know, you can literally kill people. So it's yeah. about like making sure that, you know, you have that and be able to talk and create that uh, communication. But for me that I started listening to like guys like Eric Thomas and I started listening to like all these kind of motivational speakers when I was in the military, I had a plan to go like special forces at one point. Um, I met my wife and next thing I know that changed. So then I got into everything else. And now I try to do something hard every single day. I think if we get, if we get comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what we do, we're kind of willing to kind of stretch ourselves and put ourselves in a position of like a failure mm -hmm. and like learning to love failure, like fucking love failure. This failure is like the biggest gift that any, I think any of us can get. And I think so many of us often look at it as like this thing of like, if we're a failure, it's a bad thing. Like mm. if you failed, it means you tried. Yeah. And that could be like, whether it's like sales, like before, you know, before, after the military, I didn't have a lot of sales background, but like, I just kept saying like, I will be the best salesperson. Mm -hmm. And if that means I'm going to get up at 5am when everyone else gets up at 8am to do calls, I will learn with an extra three hours a day and slowly over time I'll become the best. Mm -hmm. And it's like, same with like running, like, like, the goal next year is to do a hundred mile run, which is like wow. a long way to go. But you know, like two weekends or about earlier this month on July 4th, I did a 50 kilometer run, like no race, no sanction, just like today I'm running 50 K. Wow. Um, I think the more we just kind of like put ourselves in that, in those situations where no one's watching, there's no trophy, you know, like we just, you learn to like do it for yourself and like yeah. really learn for yourself and not for someone else, you know? Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and, and running is such a mental thing. You know, people always talk about the physical, but a lot of it's mental. As soon as you hit that wall and your energy's gone, it's like, no, just keep going. And it's all in your head because all you want to do is quit. So it's, it's such a good metaphor and practice. Totally That's for, why I do it. I actually hate running. Like <laughs> I've learned to love it, but it's like, you go out for a five hour run. Like there's nothing fun about that. There's a part of it. You're going to hate whether you like the first hour, you might hate the next four. Yeah. Like I, there's a few points where I'm like <clears throat> 30 kilometers in and I'm just like, man, this is the dumbest thing. Like I probably talked to <laughs> ask myself to quit a hundred times or more on a run. Yeah. And you're like, you got your phone, call your wife, just will come pick you up. It'll be okay. Yeah. It's just like, no, those are the moments that I'm like, I almost kind of crave on. Cause that's yeah. like, that teaches me that I can. Yeah. And it's even with business, whether it be like a new role, a new position, a, you know, doing sales. Yeah. It's like, you're going to be faced with like really hard times. Absolutely. Like, 
no matter what you do. And if you, if you aren't faced with hard times, then like, you're not doing enough. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're yeah. not. Yeah. And I think everyone, everyone pictures it or tells the story like, Oh, it's just smooth. We just went like this. But, uh, so I, I have a practice like that too. I, I take cold showers now every day. Uh, I used to do CrossFit as well as that's where we, we met uh, there as well. Um, but it's, it's good to take on that challenge. Like, ah, oh, I don't think I can do this. And then you do it or you do, you don't do it and you fail, but yeah. you learn through that. So I'm curious if you could, if you could talk about some, some of your biggest failures uh, and then maybe some of your biggest wins uh, through your, your career uh, and, and tell us a little yeah. bit about those stories. Failures. There's a lot of failures. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess the, the one that comes up and it's not like, it's more like, I guess, for my own thing, but like I mentioned, I had a, I had a, I had a podcast. I say I had, cause I haven't done it in a while. And that's, that's where the failure came is, um, I started this podcast, like really, it's called trust the process show. And it really was like a way to talk to people. And it kind of became really uncomfortable for, for me because as you know, having a podcast, getting people to listen to your podcast is a whole different thing than making podcast episodes. Yeah. And as a guy, like I really have, I have a lot of sales experience and I know content, but what I don't have is marketing. And I had to really learn hard of like how to try to market this. And I had a lot of really great guests, man. I was fortunate to talk to some like really incredible people from like Navy SEALs to like Donovan Bailey to, you know, the list goes on. And like, I think I averaged like maybe 30 downloads an episode. And like every time I'm like, no man, mother, like Donovan Bailey, this is for sure going to have people listen, right? Like, he's, he's like the Canadian dream. I remember as a kid, I like looked up to this dude and like how many other millions. And I think that got like 40 or 50 downloads. Yeah. And I was like, so what I learned is that like, I didn't invest enough time to learn how to market hmm. and how to get things in front of people. And what happened is I just got busy with other stuff. And this thing that I really fell in love with as a passion, it went aside because of just not figuring things out. So that like kind of died away. I mean, I hope to like revive it and give it like a CPR push as like life settles down a bit and I get the rest of things going. Um, yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's really the consistency of releasing them over time that, that really makes that. But also I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, when you started to tell these stories, if you, if you thought about who you were talking to, like who was your target audience? And didn't, I really didn't think who it was, you know, and that thing, that's what the, the struggle was. Is I didn't go into it with a plan about like who going back to what I believe in. And we just talked about <clears throat> who's my tribe. Yeah. What is my tribe looking to learn? Mm -hmm. And what is, how can I help them learn that or solve that through the story I'm going to tell with my guest? Yeah. I really told it because I just like kind of nerded out a bit. And I just like thought like, <laughs> it'd be cool to talk to these people. And it gives me a chance to talk to them. And I think there was some good learnings, but I didn't, I don't think I'm without understanding who was that audience. Yeah. I couldn't understand how to market to that audience. And it became that kind of general thing that, didn't connect on a deeper level because it was just another podcast that talked to these types of people. Right. Right. So it doesn't, so it, this kind of the learning from that, the biggest learning is that like you could align with a really big celebrity and you could have them share your content to their network. It doesn't mean that makes you success. It's like, how can you, you could talk to smaller people, or not so known people, I should say, and have more success with your content because mm -hmm. you understand who that's going to. And I think a lot of people even get into the podcast world, they go like, I want to go out for the biggest A-listers to try to get them on because that's going to get people to listen to me. But we forget about who are they getting to try to listen to them and what are they trying to learn and how can they then tell that story to get them to learn? Yeah. And, and that's why, my biggest learning. Yeah. Why, why are you creating this and you know, what's the purpose behind it? Yeah. Instead of just creating content for content. Cause I, I was good at that. And that was a big learning. And like, as you know, getting into podcasting, it's like a huge learning curve. Yeah. Um, and I only really ever did it cause my dream as a kid, this is before podcasting was to have my own AM radio show. And I was like, <laughs> this showing is your age. Yeah. This is the easiest way to do it without having to go to, you know, broadcast school. Yeah. Just figure it out on the fly. And, and 
I tried to figure it out on the fly and it's a, it's a whole lot more uh, than I think to do it properly. Yeah. So this just, is, this is exactly, this is exactly the kind of story that, you know, is what we want to talk about on this podcast because, you know, there's so much that you learned. So, so if you didn't do that, if you didn't fail or if you didn't try, maybe you wouldn't think so much about the tribe and the personas and storytelling and the importance and who you're speaking to. And is there even an audience there, which likely influenced what you're doing with stretch and how that's growing and, and things are, are happening. Right. Totally, man. And, and you know, the worst, you know, the worst case, but one of the great things is I actually became friends with a lot of these people. Right. You know, so like, <clears throat> I can, you know, I often text like Lofa Tatupu who was on the show and he was like a all pro linebacker for the Seahawks. It's just like, so cool. it's cool. Right. But you know, with, with that, yeah, it's now that like when I revive and maybe it comes back through a different show. Cause it still is a passion. It still is a you know, dream to do it. Um, it just kind of showed me anything we do. It's, we have to be intentional. Yeah. Really, kind of like the whole thing of what we do. And that kind of comes back to even just kind of the work ethic is like a lot of the stuff I have drive for, whether it be like training for an ultra, whether it be being a dad, like you mentioned, or being a husband, it's like, I have to have goals and I have to know like, what is the outcome I'm trying to get so that I have something to work towards where I failed with trust the process shows. I didn't have anything I was really working towards. I just worked towards like, who can I talk to next? And, I think that would be, that would get people excited without understanding like, who are those people? Like there's no intention behind it. Mm -hmm. And we, we work with, you know, lack of intention. It just becomes like, meh. Okay. Yeah. And I think, right. I think that's absolutely so true in digital marketing, right? Like just, just like creating a podcast or creating a campaign, you know, doing a blog post, whatever it is, if you don't have an intention and a strategy, then, then you're not really going to make any progress. Uh, but, but constantly in digital marketing and in, in, in the online world, we're marrying this like technical way of thinking. Like we need to structure the keywords on the page in a certain way with this more creative side. Like we need to write about something interesting and tell a story. And you're like, yeah, but if you don't put it in this framework and sometimes they don't quite mesh. So do you, do you come across that in, in your work with, with stretch where you're trying to marry the creative with the technical and, you know, what you don't want to yeah. come out with is this sort of middle ground. It's not good for either, but you kind of need to figure out where the happy place is. Yeah. I think the shift where just working in previous companies and previous ways, it was always, it always felt optimized first and then create story yeah. behind it. Right. And I think where the shift is, it's like create story and optimize as much as you can without affecting the story. Absolutely. And I think that's where if anyone is kind of looking at content is based from a words perspective, right? In terms of like SEO is, I think that's really the approach. I mean, there's a lot more technicalities behind the scene and it's just kind of like super high level. But I think if we always lead with story and then follow with best practices. Yes, I like it. And mesh it to the story. I think, again, at the end of the day is great so you optimize the page that has no real story you're driving traffic to your site but if no one connects with your brand or connects with your product or service then what the hell is the point of driving traffic yeah yeah and Those, i think that what, what can get forgotten is that we're talking to humans you know yeah. like yes it's coming through a computer and you're trying to appease the the bots and the um, algorithms and things but at the end of the day if that content ranks high on google and someone goes there and they can't read the content because it looks like gobbledygook, then where's that really going to get you? You've ranked high. Boring. Yeah. Or it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. So, you get ranked high. Like it's like, great. You know, who's not buying your products, the Google search. Suit, yeah. Search <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know who you're paying Google because you're trying to get more traffic because that's the answer becomes yeah. is like, Oh, then they just buy traffic. Yeah. It's not necessarily a traffic issue. Cause if you're right. getting some traffic, it's about like, what is, when they hit your site or they hit your landing page or they hit your video or your podcast, like it's the, it's time that your content needs to like show up. Yeah. Again, that comes down to like your salesperson in the store. Right. Like if you walk into a store and somebody, you know, they feel like, Hey, they understand me. They have my best interest and they're going to help me out. Yeah. You're going to engage with that salesperson 
you know, it's more of like a partnership or a collaboration or a connection. Again, that tribe thing. But if you hit like some of those stores and there's some like slimy, like think of like a used car, car lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got traffic in there. Like, Ooh, what can I sell you? And they're like, wait, you didn't even ask what my name is or what I'm looking for. <laughs> You're trying to sell me something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, how do we become a, a specialty? How do we become a part of their community and their tribe? Of like, hey, they understand me. They got my best interests. Yeah. Um, those are the the companies, the brands that are seeing success. Yeah, and I think it, it it's it's similar to sales, and you would know this too, right? Like, you can't just call someone up and sell them right away. You've got to start. Okay, I'm going to call them up, and the goal is to have a good conversation, and yeah. then the next call is to build on the relationship, and then it takes some time, and they have to get to know you and and make a friendship, and then once you establish that and create them, you could sell them all day long right? As long as you've got what they want, but they're going to want to work with you. So it's about relationship, man. Content, right? Like marketing and sales is all about relationship. I think. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's, there's tactics and stuff, but at the end of the day, like what is the core purpose of marketing and sales is to build a relationship for somebody to buy your product, your service, whatever you have. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully the relationship long-term customer through that relationship. And it's, and it's those, it's just those one-offs. I mean, and you can drive traffic and get some of those one-off purchases, but like, it's also about like, how do we, like you said, the long-term stuff. Yeah. How do you get them to stay with you? That's another big problem. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like there's brands that are killing it and there's brand, you know, it's about content at that point too. Like now that they're a tribe, you're not selling them, but you're also now providing like valuable information. Like content is like about like, I don't know how much time I spend on my phone and I probably spend less than most cause I'm doing other shit, but I'm on my phone a lot. Yeah. Like people are consuming content all day long. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not necessarily about qual- uh, quantity. It's about quality. Yeah. It's just even, thoughtfulness. Even thinking about TikTok, right. And, and you know, they, they might be looking at a ton of content, but they might be skipping it. Right. Like they look at it and then they move on. And um, over time, that algorithm gets so good that it just shows them the stuff that they like, maybe even stuff they don't even know they like because it's so yeah. good. But, you know, they're, they're looking for good stuff, they're looking to be entertained. Yeah. I had a girl on my podcast. She was a TikTok influencer. Hmm. She was like 17 or 18 or some <laughs> shit. Yeah. But she was down. She knew who she was doing it to. Right. Like she knew who she was creating these videos for. And it was really impressive that these young folks are given these uh, channels to really kind of be creative. I think we're all creatives. I used to neglect and refuse that I was ever a creative. I was like, I'm not a creative person. I never will be. And then now I'm like trying to like really live into it. Cause I think we all are creative and we sure. should flex our creativity. Cause it allows, means that we're like, again, stretching our imagination, our beliefs and just like what's next. Yeah. To create something, you have to be creative, whether it's a creative with your workout regimen or creative with being a dad. I mean, it's a good thing. Like my stepson, Amelia is not listening to this. Cause like we totally got creative with him of like how to get him to do chores. And right. It's like <laughs> I gamified it. And all of a sudden now he's like crushing it. And I'm like these years of like bang your head against the wall. Like just dude, do it, please. Like now he's doing it and it's, but it's because I had to be creative. So I think we have to like not hold ourselves back on like a creative is just a writer, a creative is just a designer or a yeah. marketer. I think, you know, I think that you and I are similar in, in work ethic. And I think sometimes, and I think I'm learning this from your wife, who's my coach, uh, Jesse. Uh, she, she's talking about like when you get into that mode of just like getting shit done, you're not really using that other side of your brain to be creative. You've almost like shut it down. And, and we're so good at getting stuff done that we don't even go over to that other side of our brain where the creative side can live and be in it needs space to breathe. And, totally. it, it, you know, I think that, you know, for me, my, my day is so full of getting stuff done, but I see myself as a really creative problem solver. That's where mm-hmm. I can kind of flex that. But I know that there's creative in, in me, but I haven't exercised that enough. And, and to build it up is so important because you, like, just like we're talking about like the creative and the, and the technical of digital marketing work is very similar in that way too. It's like, you can be creative and you can get stuff done. You can just get down and do the tactics, but we have to have both to create, you know, long-term brands and successful companies. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, and I think as 
leaders within organizations, like we have to um, support that. We have to really challenge that to our, to everyone that's part mm -hmm. of our company that we work with, whether it be contractors, whether it be people below that work for you or you work for, like we need to be challenging that each other because the more we can get creative, I mean, shit, man, like, all of a sudden, in a matter of weeks, the world can be flipped up on its head due to like I've a global that. pandemic. Yeah, we're going through it now, and the the teams and the people that are used to being creative and flexing that they're learning to adapt and adjust. Mm -hmm. And the companies and the people that have been so like, my role is this, and I'm going to stay in my lane and task oriented folks. Now that they're all sitting up and looking, okay, how do I do this? And you're probably seeing this in what you're doing at uh, Jetstream and with uh, the Alacrity course you guys are doing is that brands were forced overnight. If you hadn't done digital transformation yet, mm -hmm. you were forced to overnight. And now they're trying to figure out how do I do this? Yeah. You know, and so it becomes, we have to have a creative mindset because literally the world is now never going to be the same. Totally. Some for the good, some for the worse, but it's, online especially how we present ourselves is through content now because we're not having people come to our specialty stores yeah and talk to people yeah right absolutely but you still want them to spend yeah all this money that you would get value from going into a store to learn more about and you're offering up content on your site or through your channels that's just like just no effort or it's just like because you haven't thoughtfully put into like who you're talking to what's that story that you want them to evoke emotion and do what's the emotion you want what's the story you want to connect to them from yeah. um i think it's really interesting how you how you're communicating that right like if you walk into a store and, and the presence and the the what you're what you're greeted with and a lot of times it's very human i mean yeah. you, you try to bring that online through content i think you're the first person that i've seen talk about it in that way but it makes so much sense because you know if i walked into a store and the store was a mess and nobody talked to me and you know like just nothing was really appealing and the brand wasn't you know resonating with me you probably walk out pretty quick i mean why did i even walk in right right and so if the website does the same thing right then then i'm going to turn away pretty quickly too i'm not going to trust it i'm not going to see what value they have i'm not going to resonate with the brand so you know it's a really interesting uh metaphor uh, that you bring mm -hmm. up i really I, I like that yeah it's and it's it's kind of the way i look at it it's just like you know i i especially now we're in a world where obviously we're probably headed to a recession. Mm -hmm. So the more people are holding on to their money is, is probably going to be harder to let, have them let go of it. They're going to be very choosy of where they let go of their money. So if we, if we want people to actually spend money on what we do, you better make it seem like you give a shit or at yeah. least, you know, you care yeah. because they're going to go somewhere. Like there's really two types of brands that are really going to kill it. And there's like the high efficiency brands that are all about efficiency and it's all about the race to the bottom, getting it as fast as possible. And those are the Amazons of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Walmart. You don't connect to Walmart or Amazon because you love what they do and you believe in. You go like, I want my cat litter tomorrow and I don't want to go to the store to go carry it and haul it to my car and I'll probably pay less. Yeah. yeah. Great. But if you want like a brand where you're like, I'm going to buy some new running shoes or... I'm going to invest in digital marketing strategy or whatever someone may do. When you see their stuff, you better go like, wow, one, they care. Two, they seem to have experts that know what they're talking about. And three, I've connected with them. They're speaking to me. They know my, you know, then someone's willing to go like, Hey, I'm willing to give you this money because I believe mm -hmm. in what you guys are offering. Yeah. But like we're not in that market anymore. People are like, just throw it. You know, we got money to burn. Like it's not going to happen. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a hard couple of years, I think ahead of us to get through this. For sure. For sure. And, uh, content is like going to be the way we tell it. And then obviously working with partners that can help, you know, ensure how to distribute it and how to get it in front of the right people. Yeah. Um, uh, going to be super important as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you can, if you could talk about a time that you did kind of climb the mountain and, and you just saw success. Maybe you're in it right now. Uh, talk a little bit about a you know, story yeah. or a journey you were on when, when you made it to the top. We know that we don't necessarily always stay up there, but it's nice to yeah. ascend the mountain every so often. You know, I, uh, 
there's been a few like sales ones. I remember there was one, the biggest company I ever worked with, um, you know, and I won't even say it, who my, my boss was, but my boss had said that there was no chance we were going to win that account. Um, and don't worry about it. Don't do it. It's, we won't get it. And I just thought like, F that. I don't even care what you say. Like, maybe you that's s- why they said it. <laughs> maybe. Um, but I was just like, no way. And I, I grinded, man. It was like probably 18 months sales cycle. But like, I knew it was going to be worth it. Not only for the company, but like as a sales guy in commission, I was like, it needs to happen. Um, and we ended up winning it, man. And it became like the biggest client to date in history for that company. Um, and it felt, here's the thing is like you win, right? We win is mean like we accomplish like what we had set out for. The reality is it doesn't happen a lot. Especially when you go to sales, you're like a big win happens like maybe a couple times a year, like mm-hmm. big, big wins. If you're having a good year, maybe you have one big win a year. And it's kind of like any big thing you do in your life. It's like you get married. Like that, remember that day you got married. It was like the biggest day of your life. It felt so good. And then like the next day, it wasn't like, oh, it's just like now it's over. And you hate to like let go of that feeling. But it, what I've learned from that, where I'm going with this is like in those moments is just like enjoy those moments because like, they're not long. And like you can't make it just about the feeling of that moment. You know, I think where the real learning comes from and like, I guess why I really believe in just discipline and just going is like the real enjoyment needs to be coming like in the process. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you make me think um, uh, of a quote. It's just this, this too shall pass. I I can't remember who said it. Yeah. A lot of people think about it in in times that are bad, but you need to think about it in times that are good as well. Yeah. So you do kind of really sink in because it's not going to last. You know, you're on the top of the mountain and you feel amazing. But like you said, like tomorrow, you know, might be a little different. And, and so you have to enjoy that moment and, and know that it will pass. And, and that's a big part of why, you know, the, the Turbulent Marketing Podcast is, is all about that. These ups and downs that we experience in marketing, you need to be able to handle them and deal with them and you can't give up. So you keep going forward, but you know, everything will pass the good, the good and the bad it's part of the journey uh, of success uh, in digital marketing and, and any endeavor really, whether it's work, family, or just life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Goggins, David Goggins, if no one's listened to Goggins yet, definitely listen to that audio book. Yes. But he's got the whole like cookie jar metaphor, right? You know, and like pulling out those moments, those really tough moments out of your cookie jar. Yeah. I mean, and like we need to like really, appreciate those hard moments man there's like you know again i'm not like any different anyone else we've all had shitty hard moments in life no matter what we do um i think recently i've really learned to like reflect and sit in the emotion that it once gave me right and just sit in it and not like dwell or be a victim to it but like you especially it comes down to marketing or sales or whatever we do if we can't appreciate to sit in that and like actually if we're feeling something bad or feeling hard, it usually means it fucking matters to us. So it usually means like it's worth doing. And I think in anything we do, whether it be marketing, content creation of like trying to figure it out, like those moments of like, this sucks. I'm trying to figure out it's hard. It means you care. And that's right. like the, a big win right there. You're doing what you're meant to be doing, but just keep kind of like, keep pushing, keep adapting. Um, and I think the big thing too is like asking for help. Like, yeah. I think we're in a world now where especially being remote, you know, like you thrive connection and people want to help each other out. We're not all a doggy dog world. And I think we have so much, we have this new way of it's easy to hop on a zoom or it's easy to hop on a phone call before where you're like, Oh, I'll just do a text. We actually thrive to see someone's face. Totally. Um, I think right now it's like a great time to leverage your community and like ask for help or ask for stuff because people are, you know, happy to give something if it's not just always asking for their business. And it comes down to content too. Like we should be asking what our consumers want to learn. What is it that they want? What are they struggling with to help give them that answer versus trying to guess? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. I I love it. This is all really, really great stuff. Um, 
do you have any sort of final advice or, or thoughts? I mean, you just gave, gave a great rant there of, of amazing yeah. advice, but any sort of, you know, one, one or two things that you would advise the listeners in, in their content marketing, digital marketing, sales and marketing uh, journeys? Yeah, I would say my big thing is like really get clear of like what the story is of your company, of your brand. Um, and it's not just to sell, but like your story of what you do needs to radiate across all aspects of your business. Because when we hire, when we have, you know, internal strategies, like everything should line up with why we do things, mm -hmm. you know, and that story of why you created your company or why you decided to work for that company should align with those values and the beliefs. And if all of that's aligned, like speak those stories and then figure out the tools that you need to do to help optimize those stories through search engines, um, through advertising, through other things. But if you can figure out your story and really know your story and do everything about what you do because of that story, everything else I think will become a lot easier in terms of like that whole feeling that I think so many think of like, I don't know what to create for content. I don't know where to start. Yeah. You know, it's first start with understanding your story and really knowing your story and make sure that everyone on your team can tell you that story. Cause if they can't, that's a bigger problem than figuring out what your next blog post is going to be or your next Facebook video. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. Well said. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, thanks a ton for coming on the podcast, Chris. It's always great to chat with you. Uh, I'm curious if there's anywhere that uh, people could follow you or check out stretch creative. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me at, I think it's linkedin.com backslash the Chris Reed. Nice. Um, took a little play out of the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, playbook there. Um, <laughs> hit me up there. Um, happy to talk to anyone who has questions about kind of like content story. If they're, uh, you know, needing support with, you know, some design or, kind of evolving how their content needs to look through words, visuals. Um, you know, we, again, we're a full content studio that um, really is on a mission to make the create lives of the creatives better. So if there's any creatives on this show that are tired of being behind a platform and they're tired of being treated like shit and not being seen as the most important aspect of content, like hit me up because we're on a mission to, uh, to make some big changes in how we go about working with creative. So awesome. And, and the uh, website domain name is, Oh, uh, stretchcreative.co. Awesome. Great. Great. Chris. Thanks again for uh, being on the show. Really appreciate it. And thanks for going deep on all these topics. It's uh, yeah, man. Like thanks said, for again, first, first time on a podcast. I hope I didn't ramble too much for you. No, that was awesome, man. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to the Turbulent Marketing Podcast. Our show is brought to you by www.jetstream.agency. Be sure to follow us at Jetstream Agency and get more episodes of the Turbulent Marketing Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with one person.